Well, good morning again. We're going to continue our series on um, being tuned in, how to be led by the Spirit of God. It's one of the greatest uh, things, I think, to learn. Um, maybe you could put, put it up there in the top five for sure. Learn how to pray. Learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. And, um, you know, those two things are really keys to a successful, fulfilled life. Sometimes uh, you might look at someone and they have a very, from what is called the world standards, they have a very successful life, uh, which means probably that they have a lot of money and maybe they have a position of power uh, in the earth realm. But you know, uh, Jesus actually gained authority over all the powers, both the seen and the unseen. And our life is a lot more than 95 years 120 years, 70 years, whatever you're uh, believing God for, uh, our life is a lot more than just that. Actually, every person on the earth, your spirit will live forever, whether with the Lord or apart from the Lord, whether in heaven with God or uh, separated from God in hell, you will live forever. Each and every person will live forever. And that's why it's important that we live like Jesus and love like Jesus and tell the world about Jesus because without him, um, you know, uh, it's not a good picture where people are headed. Uh, somebody said it's kind of like people are uh, driving down a road that actually there's no bridge there, but they're missing every sign that says bridge out, bridge out, bridge out. Um, so you, you are more than just a body, more than just a mind. And when you die and I die, we're not dead like a dog, like all of a sudden that's it. Uh, that's actually the Bible calls your life like a fleeting mist that appears for a little while, and then as soon as the sun comes up, it's gone. And if you live your life in light of eternity, then uh, it helps keep the day-to-day -day stuff in perspective. And the little things that you go through, it helps keep those in perspective. And uh, I know I need to keep those things in perspective because sometimes you get so focused on the, the here and the now, you can't see the forest for the trees, especially when you're having difficulties. And, uh, you know, there are uniquely uh, sometimes uh, American problems, like your phone crashes or doesn't work or, you know, you're trying to find, like, how do I get to this place? And I was using my phone GPS and I lost signal and I can't get there and I get so frustrated and can't do it. And, you know, you're like, you know, we are like, I don't remember what they call it, but I think it's like uh, we're, we're the richest people in the world in the United States. And um, even if you're at, uh, you know, on food stamps in the United States, you're actually more blessed than I think it's 96% of the world. So uh, it's sometimes easy to forget that. And then you have like these problems. And then if you're a believer, you're like frustrated with yourself because you're like, now why is that that important to me? Because there's people like, they need food today. Yeah. You know, and I have food. So um, thank God for his grace and his ability to see the world with his perspective. I don't even know when I started praying that. I think it was probably in the, in the mid-90s. I started praying, you know, Lord, help me see things from your perspective. And I like how Paul said that, you know, we don't regard any man after the flesh and after the fear. We did actually regard Christ that way. So we looked at Christ even after the flesh. But now we don't regard him this way any longer, and we don't regard any man that way any longer. So sometimes, even with yourself, you can look at walking in love 
or uh, honoring people, and maybe you don't walk in love with yourself, or you don't honor yourself, or you just regard yourself after the flesh. If you regard yourself after the flesh, those are the kind of results that you will get. Like the carnal mind, the Bible says it's enmity with God. In other words, it's opposed to God, and uh, it can't really be in line with God. So if you think with the carnal mind and live after uh, the flesh, uh, Romans uh, says that you will actually die. And that doesn't mean that you're going to like immediately just shrivel up and, and die and uh, your spirit's going to leave your body, but you actually start to experience death. And if you live by the spirit, you'll have life. So another way to say that is if you live by the new creation that you are on the inside, you will experience fullness of life here and now. Uh, but you could actually be born again and then not renew your mind and live what uh, Paul said to the Corinthians is a carnal life. And uh, we're going to look at those scriptures here in just a second. Let me switch over to my notes. So the three main scriptures that we're using for this series are Romans chapter 8, verse 14, Romans chapter 8, verse 16, and Proverbs 20, 27. Let's start out by reading those scriptures. Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then Proverbs 20, 27, the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we ask that you give us understanding, that you enlighten us, that you uh, speak to each and every person here this morning and listening. Father, Speak to us exactly what you want us to hear. Help us to see exactly what you want to see. May every ear be attending to what your spirit's saying, and every eye be perceptive, spiritual eye be perceptive to what you're showing us. Thank you, Father, that you teach us, that you lead us, and that you guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple other translations, the Amplified Translation, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Uh, of 8.16, the Spirit himself testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. The Spirit himself unites with our spirit in bearing witness to our being God's children. Johnson, by uniting with our own spirit, the Spirit confirms that we are God's children. The Spirit himself whispers deep inside us that we, are really, uh, that we really are kids in the Father's family. The Spirit himself endorses our inward conviction. So he whispers deep inside that we really are kids in the Father's family. And that, I mean, that translation is so expressive and so illuminating that you realize that we're not just um, part of a group of people that are going to heaven, but we have become part of God's family. And so that you can remember, no matter what you're facing, you're in the family of God. Uh, with each family, you may have certain privileges. If you're in President Obama's family, his immediate family, uh, they can probably go anywhere in the White House, uh, except for maybe the emergency operations center and the situation room. Okay, so. But they can go anywhere in the family residence for sure. They have access. Now, you go out today and go down to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and say, you know, I would like to see the president's bedroom. And they probably might start investigating you. You might go to that little room behind a, 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 what is, a tinted glass door and, well, let's ask you a few questions. Come right on in. You think, this is great. I asked and they're letting me in. <laughs> uh, they want to know more about you. But when you're in the family, 
you have access. And, uh, you know, uh, when I'm studying, I don't really like to be disturbed, uh, even by my own children. But if my children are coming in, I normally want to give them a hug and first say, okay, no, daddy's studying. I love you. And uh, come back later. <laughs> but they have access. And uh, so as children of God, we have access uh, to our heavenly father. And really, he's always ready and waiting for us. I mean, the whole plan of redemption was so that he could be close to us. The reason he created us was so that he could fellowship with us and we could fellowship with him. Um, So the Spirit himself endorses our inward conviction. So when you're born again, you have a conviction that Jesus is Lord and that you have made him the Lord of your life. And the Spirit actually endorses that conviction. Uh, Romans chapter 9 uh, says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, when you do that, before you do that, you don't actually have an inward conviction, an inward knowing that you're born again, that you're connected with God. But the second that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that reality happens. You become a new creation. And where most of the world is, they're at this place where they see maybe, you know, I'm not everything I should be. I could be a lot more. They have a heart hunger for God, but they say, I need to clean myself up so I can come to God. And that's where they get it wrong, and that's why they get messed up, because they feel that, you know, there's an inward knowing in all of us. Like, even if you're a Christian, if you live after the flesh, you cannot be good enough to come to God. So what happens is, you will, uh, I remember being in a in a denominational church in Georgia, and it was a good church. And we would have a time, I think it was Tuesday nights, where we would pray for revival. And uh, there was a a particular gentleman, he loved the Lord. And he had been, I think his family had probably been in this denomination for great-grandparents, grandparents, parents, and himself, and just staunch uh, member of that denomination, and born again, loved the Lord. So we're praying, and he's like, I'm not even worried. I'm such a worm. I'm not even worthy to talk to you. I'm not even worthy to come to your presence. And, and so it just kind of certainly doesn't inspire you to pray or inspire you to connect with God. It kind of like throws a wet blanket on the fire, whatever fire you might have had. And uh, so I guess that would be not so bad if it was like one time, but he was very faithful. <laughs> so every time we would pray for revival, every Tuesday, you could count on... Um, old so-and-so to pray this prayer. And you're just kind of, okay, I can't wait till he's done with this so we can like focus on praying for revival. And uh, what happened? Well, what really happened is we're a three-part being. We are a spirit. We have or possess a soul and we live in a body. And if you notice, a lot of times people will say if they realize that you're three-part being, being they'll quote it body, soul, and spirit. Well, this uh, word actually says spirit, soul, and body. And I think that's important because you want to put that first, that you are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a body. So this body, like we talked about last week, is just the house I live in. You could say it's your earth suit. Like if you go to space, you have a space suit. This is your earth suit. So this is how you contact the physical realm, the sense realm, with this body. And so what's happened with uh, people like that, many times, you know, once you know the truth, you're like, you just want to vomit when you hear that. Because uh, you're like, that is so wrong. That is so not true. Uh, But what happens is he is really mostly uh, carnal mind conscious or body conscious. So uh, Paul said, we'll read it here in uh, Romans chapter 7 and 8. You know, he's struggling like, 
He's like, I want to do good, but then my body's pulling me this way, and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Well, this guy is just in contact with his body, and he's acutely aware that in his body is no good thing. And, uh, you know, in your body, there's really no good thing, but you are not a body. And your mind, if it's not renewed with the Word of God, will also set you in the wrong direction. You have to be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind, which comes through the Word of God. And so you are a spirit, but you're a spirit, I'm a spirit. And if you're born again, you're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything's brand new. But you can be that way and still live the same way as you used to live. So let's, with that being laid out, let's turn to Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. And, uh, you know, I think I'm going to read it in the uh, Amplified Translation. Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. You know, I'm going to read chapter 8 first, then I'll back up to chapter 7 to give the context. Romans chapter 8, we'll start with verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after uh, the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit. I love how Amplified says that, the dictates. That means I'm dictating what you're going to do. So if you live by the dictates of the flesh, uh, there's a lot of lust involved there. And please, when I say lust, it, doesn't, uh, it certainly includes sexual things, but uh, lust, you could look in the Ten Commandments, covetousness is lust. And so there's like lust for more. And you look at people that I talked about how wealthy we are in the United States of America compared to the rest of the world. Well, the interesting thing is if you are making 20000 a year, you're probably thinking like 36000 is pretty good. I know when I was in the military and graduated, graduate, uh, what do you call that, <laughs> transitioned from the military, you know, I started my first job after that was making 36000 I'm like, this is awesome. You know, but then once you get used to 36000 then you're like, well, you know, uh, I really really need 40,000. And then you used to 40,000. You're like, well, I really need 50,000. And then uh, you can go on and on and on, whatever level you're at. So if you're making, um, I have no idea what people are making, but if you're making a million dollars a year here right now, um, I'm pretty sure if you're living by the flesh, you're going to be like, you know, that's not enough money. Even if you made 500,000 last year and 250,000 the year before, if you're doubling every year, you're still like, oh, this million's pretty nice, but you know, now I bought a bigger house and a bigger car and a this and that. And so um, the lust of the flesh, more, 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 more. So you could be like a billionaire and still want more and more and more and more. So the problem, um, sometimes we think the problem is money or the problem is lack of something that you don't have, like this, this awesome looking car or whatever it might be. But the lust uh, of the flesh really is never satisfied. Because you could actually say like, I remember talking to uh, single male friends of mine, and uh, I try to help them out. And I say, listen, you know, because they're like, oh, I'm dating this person. And, you know, she's amazing, you know, but she has a few, or not a few, a couple of physical flaws or things that I would really prefer something else. And I'm like, well, you know, first of all, you're really shallow. 
okay? But I'm a guy, so I understand you're attracted by sight and everything like that. But I have to say, like, uh, I said, just, okay, tell me who you think is the most beautiful woman in the world. So, or at least picture them in your mind, okay? And I said, I guarantee you, she has a lot of flaws. It's probably some movie star or somebody that's all done up in Photoshop, anyhow. But um, uh, there is no one that's perfect. And if you had that woman and you married that woman, and um, uh, I didn't mean that in a sexual way, but anyhow, if you married that woman, you would find after a short period of time that you're not going to be satisfied with that woman any longer. You're going to want a different woman, even if that was the woman that you wanted, because what you're doing is you're like going after a lust of the flesh, and that will never be fulfilled. And God has designed, of course, in marriage that your uh, sexual desire is fulfilled um, with one man or one woman. But uh, when you train yourself, I was telling these guys, like, you don't want to train yourself to always be looking like for the next thing, because basically then you'll find the most wonderful woman in the world. And uh, she'll be flawed because I want to tell you something. You are flawed, <laughs> mister, <laughs> you know? So you're not perfect either, and uh, none of us are. And so uh, that's just to illustrate that when you get to dealing with the flesh or the carnal mind, there is no satisfaction that's unending. And that's why the peace of God and the life of God are so amazing because it takes you right out of the natural realm, right out of the realm of the flesh and the carnal mind and puts you in the realm of God and brings satisfaction that comes from God. And really the reason that people are uh, uh, doing a lot of those fleshly things, uh, maybe they get drunk every week or they uh, are addicted to drugs or um, sexual things, or um, money because there is a heart hunger that they're trying to fulfill through the flesh because they don't understand. Like, uh, like I said maybe at the beginning of this series, your whole life you've been trained like when you're a baby and you cry, you get your food or your diaper changed or something like that. You, know, you get your need met. And so you started from the very beginning relating to things based on your senses. And uh, when you're born again, Paul says, I think it's in Second uh, Corinthians, uh, First Corinthians, I don't remember the exact reference, uh, I think it's chapter 5 or chapter 6, but he's like, you used to live this way, but you, you now need to count yourself dead and now alive to Christ. And so you can't live the way you used to live anymore. And really, if you look over Paul's letters, the epistles to church after church after church, this is one of his main themes. Is like, hello, you're new. Don't try to live that way anymore. And the most frustrated Christians that you will find are people that are trying to live the Christian life after the flesh or the desires of the flesh. Because they've got something on the inside saying, hey, don't do that, don't do that. But their flesh, they're like, oh, that looks like it would taste so good. And I know I'm on a diet, but okay, this is a special occasion. And then your friends come to town, you know, well, like, this is also a special occasion. And uh, I talked to Pastor Trina one time, and uh, we were, I don't know, it might have been when we were in the Philippines on a missions trip, and I was saying something because they had just prepared like the best, the best, because you got missionaries in from out of the country and stuff like that, and she was like not going to eat it or just eating a very, very little bit because you don't want to be offensive. And uh, I said something to her, and I was like, oh, that was so nice that they made that. She said, yeah. She said, the problem is everywhere we go. People are like, they go to country after country. Here's the best that we have to offer. And um, so she said, if you always partake of the best that they have to offer, she said, I'd be huge. <laughs> and, uh, but your body really still wants to eat that. So uh, you don't want to be body ruled. You want to be spirit ruled. 
So there, let me just start again at the beginning. Therefore, there's now no condemnation, no judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk after the dictates of the flesh, but the dictates of the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our has freed me from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law could not do, its power being weakened by the flesh, the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit, sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. God condemned sin in the flesh, subdued, overcame, deprived it of its power over all who accept that sacrifice. There is a power in the sin that's in your flesh, but praise God, he overcame that by Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, talking about people coming to the Lord and trying to clean themselves up first, that's, that's the glorious message of the gospel that, you know what, don't even try to clean yourself up. God doesn't want you cleaned up. He wants to clean you up because you actually can't do it yourself. And, um, you know, uh, we don't have the power to do it. So that the righteous and the just requirement of the law might be fully met in us who live and move, not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the spirit. Our lives governed not by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh, but controlled by the Holy Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires set their minds on and pursue things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Now the mind of the flesh, which is the sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comp compromises all the miseries among, uh, from sin, excuse me, arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and peace, both now and forever. That is, because the mind of the flesh, with its carnal thoughts and purposes, is hostile to God, for it does not submit itself to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. So those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to him. I'll pause for a second. How do you please God? With faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So your life of faith is actually going to take you out of living the carnal life or after the carnal man. Yeah. But uh, verse 9, but you are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you, directs and controls you. But if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He does not belong to Christ. It is not truly, excuse me, is not truly a child of God. But if Christ lives in you, and then although your natural body is dead by reason of sin and guilt, the Spirit is alive because of the righteousness that he imputes to you. And if the Spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. We are not obligated to our carnal nature. That's such good news. To live a life ruled by the standards set up by the dictates of the flesh. Holy Spirit, if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you are habitually putting to death, making extinct, deadening the evil deed, deeds prompted by the body, you shall really and genuinely live forever. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship, in bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. Glory to God, that's so good. The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. Okay, let's look at a little uh, context real quick in uh, chapter 7, and I'll read this in the King James. Know you not, therefore, that I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband is dead, she's loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she's married to another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband is dead, she is free from that law so that she is no more an adulteress. Therefore, uh, she can be married to another man. Wherefore, my brothers, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. So, you know, he's saying like the woman, uh, if she was married to another man while he was still alive... Uh, is committing adultery. But if uh, he's dead, then she's no more committing adultery. Now, this is not a lesson on that. If uh, you have marriage, divorce, and remarriage is a subject we should actually teach on. And there's many uh, wonderful truths that people uh, misconstrue, but that's not the subject that I'm talking about right now. So you were married to another, that is the flesh and the God of this world. But through the body of Christ, you put to death that man. You should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should from the dead uh, bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions or emotions of sins, which were by the law, worked in our members or worked in our body or worked in our parts that brought fruit of death. But now we're delivered from the law and being dead uh, where we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in oldness of the letter. There's so much here, it's hard not to just preach on all of it, but what shall we say then? Is the law sin? No, God forbid. No, I had not known sin except for by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said you shall not covet. But sin taking occasion by the commandment uh, wrought or worked in me all manner of uh, concupiscence. thank you. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And I'll, I'll pause for just a second on this. Uh, you know, sometimes people say like, well, all of those aborted babies or kids that die in miscarriage or whatever, uh, what happens to them? They just go to hell because they weren't born again and were born into sin. Uh, no, you can look at Paul said right here, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So once he reached the age of accountability to understand right from wrong, then comes the choice. Are you going to accept or reject Jesus Christ? And so all those little babies actually are up in heaven. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it it slew me or killed me. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy, just and good. Was then that which is good made death to me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me, that, uh, by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For, which, uh, for that which I do, I allow not, and that which I would not, I do. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do which I would not, or which I don't want to do, I consent uh, to the law that it's good. 
basically, you know, it's kind of confusing, but he's just saying, like, I got all these desires, and if I didn't have the law, I wouldn't even understand that those are wrong desires, so actually I'm thankful for the law that's pointing out the fact that I'm not living like this, that I shouldn't live like this. Now, there is no, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Amazing scripture. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which good I don't find. For the good that I would do, I don't do, like the good I want to do. But the evil which I would not, or in other words, that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. How many of you have ever been there? I'll just raise my hand. You don't have to raise your hand. You know, you're like, you know, I really want to do good. Oh, what, what in the world happened? Verse 20, now if I do uh, that I would not or that I don't want to do, it's, is, uh, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. So it's the sin that's dwelling not, when he says me, he's not talking about like his spirit man. He's talking about the natural man, uh, the man after the flesh. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. See, he's saying on the inward man, I'm delighting in the law of God. Uh, but after the flesh, I'm like, the sin is just getting, getting uh, victory over me. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> so then with uh, the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And then we go to where we read, therefore, there's no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus who don't walk after the flesh, but according to the spirit. So if you see a chapter that starts with therefore, that's a really good indication that you need to go read like, what is therefore? Like, <clears throat> because without the Lord, you're filthy, rotten sinners in your flesh. You know, you could say it that way. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. So he doesn't leave you lying in death and hopeless and like all this like, man, every time I try to do something right, I end up doing something wrong. And what do I do? He actually says, it's really encouraging. He's like, it's not you that's doing it. It's the sin that's in you. And that sin's not in your spirit. That sin's in your foot to the carnal flesh. And so by faith... Uh, you put to death the deeds of the body, is what chapter 8 starts to say. And um, so you realize that no matter uh, how mature you become in the Lord, you still live in a natural body until you leave your body and you go up to heaven. So you're always going to have the flesh to contend with. I tell people, because uh, of course, going to Ramah, a lot of people respect Brother Hagin. I said, you know what? If Brother Hagin did not continue in the word, he could sin in every area just like everybody else. Because uh, people would a lot of times elevate him like, oh my goodness, ta-da, he's entered the room. You know, uh, you know, he puts his pants on one leg at a time, or did, just like everybody else. And um, have the same, uh, ministers have the same temptations. We actually just have an anointing and an office that we fulfill and an anointing to fulfill that office. We don't have extra anointing to fulfill our daily life to put our own flesh under. We have the same temptations that you have. We probably have the same thoughts that you have. Um, you know, and so uh, the ministry that you have or that I have uh, does not exclude us from temptations of the devil. And even Jesus, you can see that. He was tempted in every point, just like we are. So even Jesus himself, who actually had no sin in the flesh, was still tempted in the same way. And um, one minister said, even the most holy saint of God has had thoughts in his mind that his heart regretted. 
So uh, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest there. So you can't stop these things. These things are going to come, but you just say, okay, that's fine, but I cast down that vain imagination. I'm not grabbing hold of that. I'm not taking that. Because you realize the devil is a defeated, powerless idiot. Okay? Now, he has more natural knowledge and wisdom than what you or I probably will ever have because he's been around for millennia. And he has learned human flesh. And he has learned how to manipulate human flesh and how to work with human flesh. So if you try to fight the devil from your flesh or from reason or your natural mind, he will whip you probably every single time. And you'll be like, why am I naked? <laughs> Talking about the seven sons of Sceva who said, like, we command you in the name of Jesus who, who uh, Paul preaches, come out. And so uh, the spirits actually ripped their clothes off and sent them back naked. And, uh, of course, being naked is a sign of shame and defeat and utterly being conquered. So, uh, you know, the devil, if you will fight him on his territory, will, like, whip you every time. And that's why sometimes maybe if you're trying to fight the devil that way, you're like, what, what happened? What happened? You know, the Bible's true. This is the... Well, you're, you're fighting from the wrong place. Okay, you got to fight from your place of victory where you're seated with Christ in heavenly places and you fight, fight out of your spirit, man, and uh, not out of the flesh. Now, that will be voiced in your flesh. Jesus, uh, God sent Jesus in human flesh because he needed flesh to redeem flesh because flesh originally is the one that fell. You read that in Romans chapter 5, that death reigned uh, from Adam because Adam sinned and everyone in the likeness and image of Adam, that is humankind, partook of that. But then one came, the second Adam, uh, Paul calls him in, in Romans chapter 5, as Jesus Christ to redeem mankind. And he came in the same way in flesh so that it could be a just uh, redemption. Praise the Lord. So the real you is a spirit. And in your spirit, you have the life and the nature of God. You have an inward man and you have an outward man. So your flesh is your outward man and your spirit is your inward man. And what we want to do is become acquainted with our inward man. And uh, then we actually flow uh, with the Lord. I want to read you actually a quote from Brother Hagin, which I thought was very, very good. And um, he, in talking on the same thing, he said, I missed it a lot of times as a Christian, but you know I never did miss it because from my heart I wanted uh, to do what was right. My heart wept because I missed it. My spirit, you know, my heart is, your heart is your spirit. It's either because of the temptation of the flesh to overwhelm me or because of a lack of knowledge of his word that he missed it. So, but he said, I missed it a lot of times, but you know, I never did miss it. Well, how is he saying that? Because he must have read Romans chapter seven and chapter eight. And uh, because Paul said, what I do, I'm not wanting to do. But he's like, well, really, it's not me doing it. It's sin that's in me that's doing it. And he's not saying it's sin in his flesh because you look at all of the other writings of Paul and things that we started even from the first week. Um, I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. And he says uh, here that he, uh, verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. And, uh, you know, your flesh doesn't really delight in the law of God because your flesh is like, I want that. I want that. I want to gratify that. I want to be like gratified by that. Um, but your inward man never really did consent. So, excuse me, sometimes people will say like, I wonder if I committed the unpardonable sin. Like, 
Did I commit the unpardonable sin? And the devil will use that to just hold people in bondage. Uh, they're born again, but they're their whole life. Well, the very fact that you would even ask that kind of indicates that you're born again because you've got your spirit and your flesh like going against each other. You're just too acquainted with how to gratify the flesh. You've like gone down that road like there's, you know, ruts, there's a path. And so you keep going down that same path and uh, you fail every time. And then you get frustrated and upset and you're like, what is wrong with me? Am I even a Christian? Well, you are. You just have a flesh, just like everybody else. And so the way out of that is to renew your mind. Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. I'll read that real quick. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So we're to take our bodies, so present them unto God. Uh, you know, I talked to you guys about Bible quizzing before. So one of my favorite verses is Romans chapter 6, verse 13. And the way we memorize that is we did it to a little rap. It says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Romans 6, 13. And then I would, and so when you're in the quizzing, you're like, you're sitting down and you got these sensors on the chairs and you're like, you're trying to jump up. So it's like, body skill as well as like memory skill and you know and so but then you get up to quote that one because that was a quote which means you have to say it word for word but we learned it through like the rap so you're getting up and then you're like uh okay how do I say this without rapping it I just quit so even when I read it I kind of rap it just uh you know a white boy rap you know I've got to learn a little better but uh but it's great because that has stuck with me so it's saying like you have the parts of your body, you can offer them to the Lord or you can offer them to sin. And sin will wreak havoc with your body. But the Holy Spirit actually makes your body alive. And you know, and one, of the, one of the things I like to think about with that is that, uh, you know, if you live by the flesh, you will surely die. Well, you don't really live until you live out of the real you, the spirit man. That's when you really come to life. And so you can use this body to promote the gospel, to promote the things of God, uh, to show love to people, to serve in the kingdom of God, to be a part of what God's doing. And then you're offering your body a living sacrifice. So don't skip verse 2. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What that says to me right there is if you're not transformed by the renewing of your mind, you're going to find that you're conforming to the world and the ways of the world. So you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then let's close with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but unto carnal, even as to babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. And up to this point, you're not able to bear it. And even now, you're not able to bear it. Because you're, car you're yet carnal, uh, and there's envying and strife and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and walk as mere men? I love that. Uh, one translation says, are you not actually walking as body-ruled men. So uh, that's saying you're still carnal. Well, uh, you need to be able to be teachers. You need to be able to show other people. Well, the way that you do that is with the renewing of your mind. 
So if your mind is not renewed with the word of God, what's going to happen? It's like if, uh, it's, I don't know where you guys live, but if you go out in the country right now, um, it's very muddy because of all the snow melting and the rain. And uh, Daniel, one of my kids last night or yesterday afternoon, he's like, can we go bike riding? And I'm like, okay, well, let's, we'll, we'll go. We have a little dirt uh, gravel road there. And, but he didn't want to go there. He wanted to go like down the hill. And I didn't think much about it. Uh, about all the stuff draining. And so I'm like, okay. And so all of a sudden I notice, I'm like, oh, this is like squishy, squishy. And so we go down and I stopped at the top of the hill because I said, Daniel, I'm not going down there. He goes. And there's this area where the water all settles. In fact, when the snow was melting, it was like a river in the backyard. And uh, he just like gets so stuck that his bike falls over. And Joel, my youngest, was on the edge of the creek and had these uh, galoshes on and stuff like that. And all of a sudden he's like, daddy, 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 daddy. I'm like, what, Joel? He's like, my boot. And I'm like, where is your boot? He's three years old. Where is your boot? Daddy, my boot. And I'm like, yeah, where is it? My boot. And I look down and sunk into the mud, like covered completely in the mud is his boot. And he's like standing up like this. And so, um, you know, the ground was so saturated. And uh, yeah, I got muddy, of course. (laughs) Trying to clean everybody up, but... um, it, it was so saturated that um, we got uh, stuck in the mud and then messy in the mud, and it can be, it can be a real mess. But um, when you... I lost my place, to be honest with you. Thank you. So you, you get these ruts in the mud. And if you're driving, like even if you're four-wheeling, you, you go where there's like these ruts, like a two-track or something, and there's mud, especially around here, I notice there's a lot of clay. And you try to get out of those ruts, say the ruts are like this deep, it's almost impossible to get out of those ruts. And so without the word of God, you're not getting out of those ruts, those patterns of life that you have developed over time and years and maybe stuff that runs in your family. Um, because Christ has set us free, but to experience that in your daily life, you have to be renewed by the Word of God. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to keep trying to get out of this like the Corinthians did, but they had not renewed their mind with the Word of God. And so with the unrenewed mind, you will by default uh, gravitate back to functioning by reason and by the flesh. And if your natural mind is not renewed with the Word of God, that means then you have a carnal mind. That's actually against God. And so you're going to try to live life and figure out like, oh, okay, what do I do in this situation? Where you're not living out of the Word, so you're going to respond by stuff that you have. In other words, the way you've always responded. And so you're going to respond out of flesh. You're going to respond out of natural mind or natural human reasoning, which James tells us is actually sensual, fleshly, and devilish the natural wisdom, the wisdom of this world. And so without the word of God, you're, you're like in a failing position. So one of the most important things that you can do and that I can do is renew our minds with the word of God. And as your mind is renewed with the word of God, you actually have the power to respond from your spirit. And you have the power uh, to speak those words that cut off those connections from the devil. So don't misunderstand me. When you're born again... Um, You are made brand new in your spirit man. But like I said, Paul says so many times, let that man dominate you. 
Let that man be the primary driving force that makes the decisions for your life. And you'll find you'll start to experience the life of God in all of these areas, including your flesh. Let's pray. Go ahead and stand with me if you would. Father, we, oh, we're humbled actually by your word, Father. We thank you that your word, that you sent your word and you healed us, that your word brings us life, that your word brings us light, that we can actually see what we're supposed to do, that you show us the, the pathway to walk in, Father, through your word. Father, I thank you that when we meditate in your word, when we read your word, that we are actually completely transformed and changed, that it's what's called saving our mind, Father, renewing our mind. Father, I pray for each and every one of us today. We thank you for the word that we read even here. I thank you that that word is a seed, an incorruptible seed that is planted now in each of our lives that's actually reaping a harvest even now. Father, that we can see truth, that we see through the lies that the devil would bring. We see through uh, the world system and we see to the foundation of everything that's created, everything that has breath into your realm. Father, I pray that you'd give us your perspective, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Father, that a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ would flow amongst each and every person that's here and that's listening. Father, that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with your light. Father, that the eyes of our spirit, that the ears of our spirit would be open and attentive to what you're saying. Father, thank you that you're right there speaking to us, showing us that we're your children, that we're part of your family that we've come close because you have brought us close. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every person in this room, each and every person listening, each and every situation that we are facing right here today and each and every situation that the flesh or the devil would even try to bring to us this week. And we declare that we will have your very best in every area of our life that we'll live after our spirit man, the real us, and not after the flesh and not after uh, the unrenewed mind. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, our helper, that he's right there with us, strengthening us, giving us that inner strength, the inner fortitude to stand and to stand firm and to stand strong. Father, I pray uh, for your um, blessing upon each and every family, each and every situation, each and every person that's here and that's listening. Father, we thank you that with you nothing is impossible. Yeah. Father, we th that you are the God of what's naturally impossible becoming possible. Yeah. Father, we throw ourselves on your goodness and on your mercy. We ask for your very best that goes beyond what we can ask or imagine or even think. Yeah. Father, in each and every area of our lives, even those areas that we don't know, Father, we give you access to all that we are. You are our Savior and you are our Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning or you're listening online and you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to slip up your hand or send us an email, info at anchordc.org. We will pray with you and we will pray for you. If you're here or you're listening and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and you'd like to be, just slip up your hand, we'll pray for you. Or if you're here and you have moved away from the Lord and you feel like you need to come back and rededicate and, and get everything right and have a no-so experience with God, I want you to slip up your hand or email us. Uh, we'd love to pray with you and for you. 
Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is everlasting. We thank you for your love, that we are loved with a love that has no end. Father, we pray this week that you'll give us opportunities to show your love, to speak your word, the good news to our friends, to our coworkers, to those that we come in contact with. Thank you, Father, that your uh, yoke is easy and your burden is light. In Jesus' name, amen.